Welcome to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach Jordana Michelle. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you can be best friends who learn and grow together, share dreams together, have adventures together, and share passionate intimacy together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com, because it's packed with free resources that can help you. For example, there are free quizzes you can take, including one that will tell you what might be standing in your way of finding lesbian love, and another that will tell you what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her. There are free video tutorials you can watch that explain why women do the things they do and how you can navigate the frustrating world of lesbian dating with confidence, even if you're feeling lonely and desperate. There are free guides you can download to learn the secrets of how to avoid rejection, heal from heartbreak, and find epic lesbian love. And there's a free matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is available now on womenwantingwomen.com. And if you want lesbian dating advice from me more often, follow me on Instagram at jordana.michelle. But before we go any further, I have a question. How can you approach the women you're attracted to in a way that's not annoying? and start conversations with them in a way that makes them want to talk to you? And how do you handle yourself in a way that makes them comfortable around you so they want to keep hanging out? Well, I talk about all of this and much more with Antonia Predivan, an entrepreneur, branding expert, and event producer who happens to be better than almost anyone else I've ever known when it comes to meeting women, whether it's for social, professional, or romantic reasons. You can follow Antonia on Instagram at apredivan, but before you do, I highly recommend you stick around for all the priceless advice they share with us here. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. Thank you for having me. I love how, you know, we were talking in advance about some of the topics that we were going to discuss, and um, one of the responses you had was that you're not an expert on any of these things. But I, in my opinion, I'm like, well, who better to ask than Antonia? So <laughs> I'm really Thank excited you. to have the conversation. Yeah, thanks. Um, you're just one of the most magnetic women that I know, the most well-loved, you know, overall for anyone who knows you, there's just this, I love Antonia, anyone, you're, anytime your name comes up. So you're just, just, as far as I'm concerned, one of the best experts on meeting women, making friends, building a lesbian tribes and I'm just so excited to pick your brain about it. So thank you. So, yeah. What do you see about our community from all your experience working in our community and the parties that you've promoted, you know? Yeah. um, It's really tough out there. I think my takeaway is that it's really, really hard, but there are ways to go about it to make it easier. Yeah. Um, So I'll start when I first moved to New York. I never had um, any trouble making friends, meeting people. Growing up in a relatively small town, it was easy. Sports, school, college. Um, But moving to New York was the first time that I had trouble meeting people. And I don't think I necessarily went the best way about it. But at first, I was working three jobs. Then when I once I had a job, I also had a girlfriend. And it was always easier, as you know, to stay home and just hang out with your girlfriend, even though I really wanted friends. And I was actually really sad and upset after a while that I didn't have those friends. Um, But yet I would not go out because after work, it kind of seemed, oh, going out and meeting people is just another job. Why do you think women love to stay cozy instead of going out? I don't know. I mean, I didn't like it. I was just doing it. What were you doing it for? Uh, Because I was... I think I was scared. I didn't have any. I, I literally had zero friends in the city because I was the only one to move here from my college. And going out alone was intimidating at that age. Um, it seemed like extra work after I already worked for eight hours. And all I really wanted was to get together with 
some of my good friends and talk about my day. I didn't necessarily want to go out and meet new people, but I had to do that first. Because you didn't have the good friends to go out with. You had to create the structure in order to do those things. Yeah, yeah. So I would stay home and just opt out, out of probably out of fear of rejection. Yeah. By friends? By By, By potential new friends, yeah. Exactly. And did you experience rejection by potential new friends when you first got here? Uh, no, I didn't really experience rejection, but I never, I was never brave enough to put myself in those situations either. Um, I opted out for online dating. I ended up meeting a couple of people that way, which was great. They ended up being good friends. I also met my girlfriend at the time that way. So then through them, I started socializing a little bit more, but it wasn't until I really t- took conscious, made conscious effort to meet people that it actually happened. So you started... Where did you go to lesbian events? Did you go to, was it even like connected to the queer community? In the beginning, I started by going to some meetups, not necessarily queer focused, more around other interests, around music and things like that. Was it a certain type of music? So you just picked what you liked most? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I would successfully meet people that way. But I, I didn't, I didn't really seek out queer people necessarily. I don't even remember why. Uh, but anyways, I had this issue for a long time, for several years, and I wanted to change things. And I didn't know how to do that unless I actually put myself into a situation where I have to do it. So online dating was kind of happening. I was meeting some people through that. I ended up being in another relationship through that, um, parallel to my long-term relationship with Mindy. And that person sent me an email when the Her Social app was looking for a events promoter for New York. And she's like, oh, you should totally do it. You said you wanted some new friends. And I thought, oh yeah, I saw it. Their demo is not necessarily my demo because I thought at the time they were skewing younger, which they were. Um, But then I thought about it again. I was like, ah, you know, if I'm running events in New York and I want them to be successful, I'm gonna have to meet a lot of people. And so I applied and they interviewed me and I got the job. And that's where everything changed, which was only two and a half years ago. It really did work. I mean, that's certainly how I met you, I think, because you were throwing an event for women that were doing work in the community. And I guess that's how I met, and you were still working for her app at the time, correct? Right. So yeah, holy cow. I never would imagine that yeah. the person I know and met as you, yeah, before that job, you weren't social. I, and yeah. that's hard for me to imagine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No. And I always, my entire life, I was very social. And that's what makes me the happiest are people and hanging out with good people. But when I moved to New York, it was, it was a challenge. Yeah, it was a challenge. So So when you say it's hard, do you mean New York is hard or do you mean the world is hard? Probably the world is hard. New York is especially hard. Also, sometimes you meet a person and they're great and they like you in return. And then, you know, their calendar is full for the next two and a half weeks. And so you're making plans and it's three weeks out and the enthusiasm kind of dies off and, you know. But I do, that is how I build relationships. I'll put a plan three weeks yeah. out and then you see them and then maybe, you know, yeah, no. another month or two out. And then over time, it, over time, those relationships totally blossom. Yeah, it can happen. Um, I had a question though related to before. The, oh, no, a comment. I love that you you went for the thing that would make your outcome inevitable. Yeah. That's called inevitability planning. This guy, Eben Pagan, who I think is a genius, he always talks about, you know, how can you take the thing that you want and then plan, then do something else that will make that inevitable. And I love that you, it yeah. really worked. Yeah, it really worked because I definitely did not want to fail at events. And um, I wanted also, I wanted to create a queer community where if you walk into my party, there's at least 100 people that I can personally say are great people and you're gonna love meeting them. You always do bring together such wonderful people. That's for sure true. So what I started doing is I signed up for everything under the sun, all the meetup groups, all the networking groups, all the parties, everything, everything, everything that was LGBTQ, I was there for a year and a half. I went out every night. And what I would do is I would just meet people and talk to a whole bunch of people and then people I liked, I would, invite them to my event and be like, oh yeah, I'm organizing this party. But also what happened when I started working for her is they gave me a great excuse because now 
I have a reason to talk to everyone. I have a reason to talk to the DJ, the party promoter, the guests at the party, the bartenders, because I'm promoting a party. I'm looking for guests. I'm looking for bartenders. I need everyone. So right. it was just mentally a way to get over my fear. And also internally have such an open hearted reason to be approaching people. Yeah. Um, where you didn't, there's no one left out where maybe if you were just going socially, there could be other judgments in the back of our mind. Oh, that maybe isn't someone I'd be friends with, or, Oh, maybe they won't, they'll reject me or whatever. It doesn't matter because you're doing it for another reason. You might as well just show up and try. Right. It's sort of your job too. Right. So it's just such a, a great thing. So it really worked. Wow. It really worked. We Holy sold out cow. the first party. You sold out the first party, but also you're just one of the most <laughs> loved and connected people I know. So yeah, that's been, amazing. It's but, been you great. Know, and I, you're, but you also are just such a magnetic person. So, um, you know, other people could show up at a lesbian, at, at just every single LGBTQ event on earth and maybe not have as much success naturally the way you were able True. to do. So what are some tips of just that what are some things you learned or what are some things that work? What are some tips you can offer? Yeah, I think it's a lot of it is about general attitude and the energy you bring into the space. And I think one thing that I have that is going on for me is that I'm just generally, genuinely really interested in meeting people. I just, I'm going to give you my attention. If I meet you, I'm going to look at you in the eyes. I'm genuinely going to want to know who you are and what you're doing and what you're up to. And I find that people really like to talk. Um, so bring good attitude. Also, I don't know. It's so, it's so hard to put it into just a quick little podcast. I mean, there's no, there, there are definitely a lot of things that I have going on where people don't react negatively to me unless I'm doing something really bad. But I do think that regardless of how you look, there are things that you can do to be more successful meeting people. And you have also like a really upbeat attitude all the time, which is good. I mean, I've never yeah. seen you to be in a bad mood. You seem like someone that, you know, really is joyful about life. I guess I'm sure you can get in plenty of bad moods. You yeah. can, but yeah. still you seem to be joyful. And you know what I think is really interesting about your genuine curiosity that you approach people with. If you say that there have been people that would maybe talk to you for 20 minutes and not ask a single question, um, there's a lot of people maybe walking around like that. And then to the, the, the blessing and the service you really offer another person when you stand there and you listen to them and you hold space for them the way that you do with genuine openness and curiosity. It's also really being of service to the people around you in a deep way. And it's very, it's like a generosity of spirit almost. Yeah. And yeah. And I, I, when I say that, I also don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I just don't know. Some, they some might people have are bad been, at socializing. It might have been that like yeah. no one's asked them a question in so yeah. long that they really needed you to stand there and listen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And another thing I think that's, that's important is maybe try to not be so attached to any outcomes. Because you don't want to have the energy of being desperate or clingy or have people think that you'll never go away. Um, I think people... I think when you're when, when you get rejected, especially if it happens before they know anything about you, it's a lot of it. A lot of it is maybe they got scared by your energy. Like, oh, my God. It, think about it as a good looking straight woman in a bar, which you've probably experienced this, but it's a, it can be a nightmare because you have all these men coming, talking to you all the time. So we, I think, as women or female identifying, we just in our culture develop kind of self-defense mechanism where you are constantly on the lookout who is looking for your time and energy and attention and you want to shut it down immediately unless for some reason you actually want to talk to that people. So I think that people, a lot of people are on defense unless you can put them at ease and there are things that you can do to do that. So I want to talk about what those are, but I also want to clarify for, I understand what you mean by non-attachment to outcome because it's a, it's a principle I've studied before, but for anyone who's never heard that before, can we just dive for one second about what you mean when you say that they should have a not, like not be attached to the outcome when you meet per, a person? Yeah. So for me, what that means is I talk to you. I'm, if I want to talk to you, I'm going to talk to you and I don't care if you're going to talk to me back or not, if you're going to treat me well or not, because you're just one of the people that I could potentially be meeting. So it doesn't really change my state and how I feel. Uh, your, re your reaction won't impact me in any way. And the opposite of that would be 
just to illustrate. Yeah, when you really, really care about something. But then when I think what happens if you're so desperate to impress someone or so desperate to to um, engage with someone, then they feel too much pressure. They can feel too much pressure to appease you. And then they're trying to kind of get out of it. Like, ah, this is too much. You right. Know? You're, not, you're not good on your own. Clearly, you need a group of people to talk to. And now you're going to be with us all night. And we don't kind of really want to talk to you because we're doing our thing. Versus if you just show up nonchalantly and kind of over your shoulder say anything, you know. And in terms of that, we're just doing our thing. Is, are we talking about groups? Yeah, no, I was talking just any 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 friends standing in a in a circle where right. they're just where they're just hanging out with each other. They have plans that night. They're excited to see each other. Yeah, someone new comes along, and yeah. uh, when they all had just kind of planned to see each other, maybe they haven't seen each other in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and there's a way. I don't I don't know how to explain it. I think a lot of it is again in the energy of just being fine on your own. If you're fine on your own in the space. And they then, don't feel the pressure. Then they'll feel the pressure. Yeah. What you can also do, and I know that we talked about the game prior to the interview a little bit, but I think that there are certain things that you can do just from a psychological perspective that those people explore in detail and that can help you. And by those people, you're talking about pickup artists, yeah. which is interesting. Can we talk for a second about what that is? Because I haven't addressed that before in, in one of my podcasts. Yeah. So there's a whole community of uh, people, mainly men, teaching other men how to approach women. Yeah, so it's like heterosexual men teaching pickup yeah, pick yeah. skills, basically. And they're Correct. called pickup artists. Correct. And there's a lot of opinions about pickup artists that are can be pretty negative, but um, I also find it super interesting to hear what they have to say. I've learned a lot from, uh, in one in particular, David D'Angelo. I know you've read... I read Magic Bullets. I read The Game some other stuff it's interesting because it really... is interesting i think what what there are people who think oh these people are just trying to teach men how to pick up women to have sex with them and i think that there's a big audience for that but the way i look at it is we're not necessarily born with social skills so if you're going for a job interview you're going to read a couple of books how to answer a question you know what is your salary expectation they're just going to have a response for that that I, I would hope you are rehearsing in advance. And so same thing here. Um, I really look at it as just be the person that you are always and be authentic to yourself, but then also try to understand where other people are coming from. Um, so for example, if I approach you at a bar and I just say, you know, hey, what's your name? What are you doing? What's your job? That's one way to talk to you. Or if I come and say, hey, I just have a second because my friends are right there. But I wanted to ask you about blah, blah, blah. So now I gave you this like time restraint. You know, I'm going to leave. So you already don't have the pressure of dealing with, oh, my God, this woman is going to talk to me all night long. How do I get out of that? So you're at ease and you can actually engage with me in a conversation. So I think that there's some little tricks like that that they use. I think that's a great one. What are some others? Um, three second rule, I think, is very beneficial to me. What is the three second rule? Three second rule is if you see someone who you want to talk to, talk to them within three seconds. Because if you don't, you're going to psych yourself out. And also, if they notice you creepily looking at them for too long, then you're just going to be a creep. And then they're going to start wondering, like, why is this person looking at me? Like, oh, my God, are they going to come and talk to me? Uh, versus, three you know. Three seconds is really fast, seconds. though. It is, yeah. But that, it gives you... It doesn't allow your conscious mind to go too crazy into anxiety of approaching someone. Right. You couldn't attach to any outcome because there isn't even time to create what an outcome might be. So in terms Yeah, of going and back mess to it up, you know, totally mess it up. Another thing that I think is important, don't worry about what you're saying as much. Because as you probably know, people are going to forget your words and they are reacting more to how you're making them feel. So you can totally bomb on the first sentence, but if you have a smile on your face and your energy is kind of positive, you'll get through that. And what do you do with your body when you talk about energy? Because I think sometimes I'm someone that had, I would say, um, if I if if left to my own devices and I'm not working on it, I run slightly anxious. Yeah. So I work on it. You're, you're sitting here laughing. Because I, <laughs> I know you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, but, you know, 
I try, I have tricks for breathing into my belly, for being present in the moment, for, you know, if you meet someone and they're just all Woody Allen, it's harder to connect, you know? So are there tricks or you just, you're not anxious, you wouldn't need tricks like this, but do you have any advice? Oh, I get anxious. Oh, I get so plenty anxious. And the moment the three second rule is not applied, done. If I like someone, forget it. I'm never going to talk to them or I'm going to, but I'm going to. I don't know. It's going to take me a while. Um, but, you know, I think um, maybe think about it before you walk into the space. And then when you walk in, walk in standing tall, confident, take space, take as much space as you can. Um, move slowly. Confidence is slow. Yeah, confidence is slow. If you don't know anyone at the bar, just start talking to the first people you run into before you even get a drink. Um and yeah, go from there. Yeah, I think one of the best things that I learned, and maybe when I was less mature or more afraid in life when I was much younger, maybe I wouldn't talk to just anybody because I wouldn't want to maybe get stuck with or feel that pressure of if I pick one person to talk to, I'd, maybe that's not who I want to talk to all night long. So I didn't even, so I would be more, less able to just start talking to anybody. But one of the best things that I've learned is talk to everybody and every any my ex used to teach me that every single person we we meet has a message for us or has an, an important lesson that we can learn from them if we just pay attention and search for it and taking a more open-hearted attitude towards everybody it actually that I think also helps at least with me um, to just take the focus off of me and more on another person and being more open and fun yeah and yeah don't don't be afraid to fail, don't be afraid to be rejected because they don't even know you, so they're not really rejecting you as a person. What do you think it is? Who knows? You know, it's their own problem. Don't worry about it. Move on. Yeah. Move on. Circumstantial. 100%. Yeah. It's not your issue. Yeah. Yeah. And have fun. If you, I think another thing, if you're ever bored of your own conversation or listening to yourself talk, they're bored too. <laughs> Just get out. Just get out. And even if you like the person, get out at that time um, and come back later. Where do you go? Go talk to someone else. How? How do you get out of it? Um, you, you know, go to the bathroom, get a drink or just say, hey, so great to meet you. Um, I'm going to go talk to those people over there, but I'll see you in a bit. And then you go talk to them and then you come back later on. Or even if you can transfer something, let's say you ask this person a question, any question. Um, I don't know. Do you like to go window shop for puppies where you just look at them because they're cute but we live in new york so we're not going to buy them and they say yes or no and now you go to this next group and you can point back at the first group being like those people don't like puppies or oh my god those people love puppies so i was just gonna ask you what do you guys feel like and they're like what what puppies what what the fuck you know but like now this group knows that you know this other group so your social value is already higher because now you're the person who knows everyone in the room so there are things just be Just be a good human. I don't know. I love all of these things. I think this is great advice, but this is all great advice for how to meet people now in terms of taking, taking it deeper. What advice do you have about that? So when you meet someone new, I guess you want to kind of establish some commonality. Also, another thing that I never do is I never ask people what their name is or what they do. I think um, those are very boring questions and unnecessary. Even for an entrepreneur like you? Yeah. Because I love talking about your business and learning what you're up to with that. Oh, yeah. But like 10 minutes into it, 15 minutes into it. Yeah. Which also maybe for women, it doesn't then commit them. Oh, this person didn't even introduce themselves yet. They're kind of they're not interested or they're going to leave soon. So it doesn't you know, you can ask more fun questions. So what are some fun questions? Like, what do you do for fun? Or like, what do you do when you're not at this weird lesbian event or. I don't know, I I, kind of stay clear from just general questions and maybe as you meet a person you target it more towards them i don't know so give an example or or something related to your life as it's currently happening um like for example we were queer cut was doing um podcast the other week and they asked us as an icebreaker question do you do send nudes and how early into dating stage do you send, send nudes so you can go up to a group nonchalantly like over your shoulder don't don't freak them out but if they seem fun or if you're like burlesque event or whatever it's a cubbyhole and like conversations are boring you can just start there and be like oh my god i was interviewed for this podcast 
parentheses, I'm so cool, I was on this podcast, close parentheses. And the first question they asked me was if I'm sending nude photos, like what has the well, world come you? to? Like, we this is know. crazy. And, yeah. So, so you, <laughs> and then you ask them like, wait, no, I'm not answering. You answer first. Come on. And so, you know, a little banter thing going oh, on. Oh, that's really fun. So that's yeah. a great first question. Do you send nude photos? But I don't be, that. But don't be, you know, freaky right. about it. You have to do it with a smile, with a lot of humor so that they're not like, oh my God, this freak is already asking for my... DP. Yeah, 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 you know, that that also, right, okay, I could see why the delivery yeah. is super important in that one. You could really blow that question. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, uh, but- so how do you take it to, to next level? Um, in, during the conversation, if everything is going well, um, I think there are certain stages in conversation, like first you approach them, then you kind of establish some sort of mutual interest in each other. Once they show interest in you, then you can show interest in that to them. I think that that's just like the psychology of people. Um, once you let me know that you like me now, I can be like, oh, so what's your name? Is like, that true you if you're the one who initiated or that's true always? Because if everyone's just always. waiting to find out the other person, then, you know, at some point, someone's got to show something. Yeah, I no, And I don't think that it's that rigid. I just think, um especially if you're trying to impress someone, you want to kind of be the person with higher value a little bit or just show that you are on equal footing as they are. As opposed to just like a golden retriever kissing Who's, their ass or yeah, like wagging Yeah, or like you're to trying out. to like, yeah, impress them. So once you get to that stage, then you get so into more just, like comforting. Let's, let's slow that down though. And yeah. like, what? let's talk about the process of how you can tell if someone is, you know. Having- They're asking you questions. They maybe ask you what your name is. They touch you. They are laughing with you. You know, anything that is a positive feedback. And if they're not, then there's... And if they're not, then... And and you maybe are thinking that this is going nowhere, then just exit the conversation. Yeah. But if you are, I think at that point, you start... You kind of start getting into topics that are a little bit more like, okay, what, like, what are shared interests? You know, talk about travel, talk about as many topics as you can, and then get their number. As a friend, are we talking about, or now we're talking about dating? Both. I think this is yeah. both. Yeah. I think anything has to, st- I think any dating starts with a friendship too. So yeah. they're. And maybe if you're attracted to them, another tip from the pickup community yeah. is start touching them early. Um, you want to establish physical aspect of your relationship as early as possible. If you know that that's where you want to go, then start touching them immediately. Not freakily, but like you make a comment, you know, you touch their arm for a moment or, oh my God, you won't believe this. And you grab their arm for a quick second and you release. Because once you get to, okay, now we're really attracted to each other. You don't want to then start because then it's going to be awkward. Because now we have like 40 minutes of nothing. And now you want to kiss me? You know, it's too much. Yeah. So start small, super small. Make them touch you. Play a thumb war game. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's not original idea, but no, yeah. yeah. Or if you are interested in astrology, like, you know, pretend to read their palm, you know, tell them a story or two about their lines. Yeah, so start touching them lightly throughout the evening and then kiss close if that's where you want to go. And what if you just want to be friends with the person and they start wanting more? Uh, then you friend zone, yeah, through your body language. No touching, no back touching. away. Yeah. But still be friendly and loving, right? Super friendly, yeah. yeah. It happens to me a lot that I don't realize that we're flirting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how maybe that's my out? secret charm. How I don't do even know out? that we're doing it. Uh, well, find- sometimes I'm, I, I can be just so oblivious that someone likes me. Once I was hanging out with someone for drinks and they happened to be free after drinks and I was going, I was going to my girlfriend's comedy show, my fiance's comedy show and so i was like hey do you want to go to my fiance's comedy show it's just around the corner and they're like sounds great and so fiance after the evening was why did you bring a date to my show without telling me and i'm like what are you talking about we were just kind of you know clicking on all these things but totally as friends she's like no that was a date totally as friends you're crazy and then the next morning i get a text message from the person being like hey you know and then they texted something super flirty and direct and we're like let's go out and it was like, oh, wow, I wasn't even picking up on that. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. I think a mistake that I've seen certain friends of mine make is a little bit 
of obliviousness of the signals of the other person. And that's where curiosity, when you're genuinely curious about another person, when you're also curious about the body language they're giving you, how they're acting, as opposed to being attached to the outcome, being attached to or having this inner desire that it go a certain way. And then that's what you want to happen. And maybe you could project it there mm-hmm. as opposed to being real and saying, okay, is this woman open to me? Is she moving towards me? Is she touching me? Is she leaning in? Is she, you know, what are the responses that she's giving me? Yeah. Um, what I love also, well, I, I want to ask you about online dating. Any advice for women who are doing online dating for the attitude to approach online dating with for advice on setting up profiles? Um, I don't think that I have any specific advice, but initiate conversations. I don't see a lot of women initiating conversations. So how do you initiate without freaking people out with bad energy? Because it's, it's so easy to in- misinterpret. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, it's all it there. I don't know what I used to do for a while was I would just ask them a question like, hey, two truths and a lie. Go like go. And and then Bumble covered that in there, like how to start a conversation. And so I stopped using it. Oh, wait, that's crazy. Where did you get it? Did you? <laughs> I read it somewhere. Like, Genius. Yeah. How to. I mean, all these things are very Googleable. So just Google how to start a conversation on a dating app. And then there's some really bad examples and a couple of good ones. Yeah. You got to got to curate for your own who you own, who you are, because otherwise, you know. Yeah. And I really like Hinge. And I saw OkCupid doing it now as well, where you can comment on the text that they wrote. So if they already say something interesting that draws your attention to them, you can comment on that, such as, um, I don't know, this person was, the weirdest gift I ever got was um, snakeskin taxidermy something something. And I happened to have gone to a trade show for that type of stuff. And so I commented that, oh, my God, that's so crazy. I just went to this trade show. It was full of snake skins and um, crystal eyes <laughs> that, that doctors sell. Anyways, I said something stupid. But we had this common ground now where she can write me back and then we can continue with a regular conversation. Uh, a lot of the complaints I get is that online dating is full of ghosting. What do you think that's about or how do you uh, or what what is what are your thoughts on that? Has that has that been your experience or? Yeah, sometimes I think a lot of people are swiping and not necessarily going out on dates or maybe um, they're figuring it out or maybe you weren't necessarily their type or the conversation was kind of not interesting enough for them to uh, put an effort. Um, I, I just wouldn't take it too seriously. I also tend to think that sometimes maybe they're just bored and looking for attention for a minute, but aren't, we're never really in a place where they were looking to date. So it's not as if there's any real rejection. It's just where they're at in life yeah, or what they have to offer right now, or maybe they're getting over some sort of heartbreak or having an affair with someone else, or for whatever reason, not fully engaged with whatever the app is. Yeah. And don't be afraid to follow up too. I mean, it happens to me plenty of times I go on an app and then I message five, seven different people, and then they all reply. <laughs> but I, in the meantime, something happened to me in my life, and now I'm not on that app for the next 20 days, and then I come back. So feel free to follow up. I don't think that that's a bad idea either. If some of those people followed up with me, I would probably re-engage. Nice. Yeah. Another thing that I think uh, that you could have valuable commentary on is, because you didn't grow up here in New York where it's way easier than other parts of the world to be uh, LGBT. You grew up in Croatia. And um, so how was it there? How is it being, you know, is it, is it hard there? Is it easy? What, what's it like? Um, I th- it's getting easier. I think the problem is when you're in a smaller town, because then there's no designated place where you get together um, there's maybe not a lot of, it's not like you're going to go to Tegan and Sarah concert and see all your people. So it's hard, but, um, people are successfully doing it. I guess now a lot of it is through social media, through online dating. Um, what advice do you have? What I don't, I, I talk about, you know, forming a Facebook group, seeing if they can connect with others, you know, and all, but still in some parts of the world, it's dangerous to be, to be out. What do you have any thoughts or advice? I wasn't necessarily in those situations, so I wouldn't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I guess online is a great starting place. 
I'm, I'm thinking there must be, but maybe something, you know, in a city nearby. But if you're really in a super small village, somewhere very remote, then I don't know. And if you're not going to leave that village, I imagine what what can one do? So I always, when people reach out to me, I don't, I really wish I had better ideas. Yeah. Um, but man, all right. But okay, yeah. so I'm glad you're not in that situation. Neither yeah. am I. No, maybe move to the city, meet someone and bring them back. Totally. Yeah. yeah. But I know that economically sometimes that's hard. So I also want to talk about entrepreneurship with you because you've been very entrepreneurial and you have a company that you're starting in the queer space. Can we get into that? Yeah. So two of my friends and I are starting Queer Cut, which is an online marketplace bringing all queer-owned fashion brands onto one platform. So if you think about Etsy, that business model, but with queer-owned fashion brands. Because we find that it's a challenge to find clothes that represent your style that you're trying to express and also fit your body properly. It's hard to find them. They do exist, uh, but they're so niche that sometimes you haven't heard of them. And I think in New York and metropolitan areas, we're a little bit more lucky in that respect. Um, but when you're stepping in about the rest of the country, it's really hard to find. So we're, we're hoping that by bringing them all on one platform, we can put all these different eyeballs now um, onto one site and thus cut, cut time that people usually have to do to research everything. Plus, we're hoping to create a community around it. I think it's great. And it really is interesting, the challenge of reaching our target audience when we're LGBT, because as we were talking about earlier, when we're when we're born LGBT, it's not, you know, we're a part of a minority, but it's not as if our parents and brothers and sisters and everyone else in our family is also part of that minority, the way that most other minorities are born into whatever minority they're a part of. But so we're sort of, we grow up in a certain culture. We're so influenced by where we're from and our own culture and our own education that we had or whatever it is that we do. And then we're also this totally other thing and also part of this other subculture. But a lot of us, we sort of maintain our original flavor and right. then come together in this multicolored jar of, you know, hot lesbians everywhere. But um, in terms of being a business that wants to reach our market, it's a very unique challenge. It is. It's a huge challenge. And the moment I solve it, I'll let you know. <laughs> we're but just, speak we're more, just about, speak we're just more about some of the challenges you've run into, because I think it's interesting. And I also want to say this with a caveat, because what's great is, you know, I think it's figure outable. Um, but none of what I'm saying is to say that it's not possible for lesbian businesses to succeed, because that's also, I think, a limiting belief that our community tells ourselves. And they also, I think we tell ourselves that things are harder than they need to be. So this is all, you know, good stuff, but still really curious what your experience has been. And yeah, well, actually, it's not that our when I hear from brands that they have challenges, a lot of them are artists and designers and they don't really want to do business or don't know how to do business. And so that's that's a big struggle. Uh, but there are also plenty of other businesses that are successful in this space. So we're we're just going to try to bring them all together and kind of elevate the whole field um, and get it onto a next level so that people that that are a little bit more harder that are harder to reach can now also be a part of it and we are just in the very 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 beginning stages so with our marketing we we created a lot of content we just set up all the social media to a level where now it's becoming more relevant but now we're at that stage, we're trying to figure out, okay, how do we actually capture these consumers and bring them not only as passive stand buyers, but also an engaged uh, customer. And what are some ways the customers can engage? So the way we're doing it is, and because all three of us really, really do deeply care about the community, we're trying to do, we're, we're trying to involve them. So if you want to submit a style story talking about your style journey, you're free to do so. We'll post it on our social media. Um, we're organizing different events, bringing all these people together in real life so that they can network with each other, meet each other, hopefully help each other grow their businesses. We're just trying to talk to them at, in different ways. Yeah. I'll I think that's so great. Um, the idea of letting the market speak back about what their style is. And then that can also inspire the designers. And there's really that two-way conversation. Yeah. And one thing that we're going to do too is 
we want to engage with the influencers to help uh, consumers kind of figure their what their style is, because we found that through your queer journey, um, where you start is usually not where you end up. Your style is developing. You're learning more about yourself. You're trying different things. You're seeing different things on different people that you want to test out um, to see how they fit with you. So we're planning on having these influencer curated shops so that when you see a look and it resonates with you, you can see how they put that look together and then you click, click, click and you just buy the whole look on one site. That's beautiful. I'm actually, I think that I became more feminine after coming out, which is That's not great. something I expected of me, but <laughs> I was more tomboyish before I realized I was a lesbian. And then once I realized I was a lesbian and found my style, it ended up being more femme, which I still kind of laugh at. It's not what I expected. Yeah. So yeah. I really know what you mean. So um, the name is Queer Cut. And we were talking about the cut. Get more into that because I think that's important is why that matters. Yeah. So the we all have different bodies, um, shapes, sizes. And then also we want to express ourselves differently. So what happens a lot is let's say you want to present yourself a little bit more masculine in a masculine way, but you have big chest or you have wide hips. And so the shirt that you're putting on doesn't look the way you want it to look. So there are brands that solve those issues by cutting their clothes differently. Um, so, so someone with wide you know. hips with maybe more of a womanly wide hip can still look, present more masculine Correct. as long as the shirt is cut in a way that allows for that. And Correct. this is, these are clothing designed for women in our community or for uh, non-gender conforming humans in our community that want to, and is it for, um, are there brands that are also helping like more male bodies that want to look a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our goal is ultimately to really cover the whole gender spectrum. Um, and so that no matter how you're looking to present, you can find stuff on our website. Um, and all the different demographics have their different unique challenges. So we just have to start somewhere. But the goal is to expand as quickly as possible. Because there's some, also we heard from femme presenting people saying that they don't necessarily like clothes that's designed to appease male's gaze in the way that a dress is cut or in the way that their um, tops are cut. So they want something different too. Or maybe they want it to be sexy and functional. Um, and there, there are a lot of other queer brands out there that solve those particular issues that we would love to have on our site as well. Yeah, there's definitely certain looks that even for femme lesbians, maybe a certain edge about it. Yeah. That, um, yeah. That I know I look for. Like I definitely have more than my share of leather jackets, for example, right. and certain cuts that I go for that definitely allow me to be femme, but with that edge, so that if someone queer saw me, she probably would have some sort of sense that maybe there's maybe there's a chance. She's gay. Or, or she, she could be a. She could be yeah. gay. And then also we want to, you know, supporting queer businesses. If you can buy a really nice leather jacket made by a queer person, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. So uh, are there is where can people submit their look? Yeah. If you go on queercut.com under style stories, you'll find a form um, with instructions how to go about submitting it. So please take a look and love to hear from you and are there videos they submit or pictures or yeah there are videos um it's all on the website that's yeah. so cool yeah and then what about designers that want to get involved same so there's a there's a contact form on the website um feel free to reach out or email us directly our contact at queercut.com um tell us a little bit about your business and so we would love to consider. It, is it fully like Etsy? Because anyone who wants a store on Etsy can basically open one, right? Yeah. So yeah. is it like that yet? Or are you still being no. a little bit curated? Right yeah, now? we have to curate, curate just due to resources. Um, so the goal is when we open this spring to start with maybe 10 to 12 brands that cover a variety of different categories so that you can buy a full look and then expand from there. Um, by the end of 2019, if we have like... 30, 40 brands. I think that would be great. Is it just going to be people talking about their brand story? Or are you also going to have maybe fashion um, curators, like helping people who want to find their style? What is going to be the interface there? Yeah. So it's going to be, there's going to be a regular marketplace, just shop by category based on style fit and all of that. Then there are going to be influencer shops such as, um, uh, 
like I said, if you want a particular look of a particular person that we're showcasing, you can go to their shop and kind of see how they put their look together and shop based on that. You'll be able to shop by brand. If you like a particular brand and you just want to buy their stuff, you can shop that way. Um, and then at some point, 2.0, 3.0, we'll see. We want to have stylists helping people choose. So having conversations and one, selling them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, what are you trying to achieve? What's your size? You know, what do you generally like? Now, how can we find that look for you through QueerCut? Cool. So you'll give me links so that I can have them below yeah. for anyone to find. That's great. And then yeah. social media as well. You're... Yeah, we're all uh, across everything at QueerCut and you'll find us. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, so definitely follow her there. I also don't want to let you go without asking some questions about polyamory, open relationships, what you can share. Like, I know I'm going to ask it wrong. <laughs> so I, I need, I'm someone who needs to be schooled on this all the time. I, I, no matter how many times we have the conversation, I always end up not quite getting it completely. So, okay. Yeah. So why do you want to know? Um, what do you think is important? What are the misunderstandings that people are consistently making that you think it's important for people to realize? I think mostly most people just kind of default to sex. Oh, that's great. They're having sex with all these multiple people. Um, and for me, that's not necessarily why I'm choosing to be polyamorous or, and I, I don't think actually it's even a choice for me. I think it's a part of my identity, but that's not what I'm getting out of polyamory. For me, the reason I like polyamory is because I find that I really enjoy close, deep, intimate relationships. Um, because I love to discover a person that way and I love to explore who I am. And I think when you're dating up and, you know, just looking at past relationships, you are slightly different version of yourself in every particular relationship. And you find out new things about yourself and you learn and you grow together with another person. And so that entire thing to me is just so amazing and invaluable that I don't want to limit that to only one partner in my life. I would like to share that with multiple people. And that's that's kind of how I approach polyamory. I agree with everything you said, for sure. I know that the relationships I've had in my life, each and every one of them has helped me grow into a better person. I'm so much more for having had those deep, intimate connections that I had with all the partners that were my partners. So I, I really do understand. I was actually listening to uh, some sort of talk between Esther Perel and Dan Savage. They were talking today. Um, oh, they weren't great. talking today, but I was listening yeah. to the podcast. I was listening to, I don't know, maybe it was a talk to Google or something. And uh, they made a really interesting point that you've probably heard that what we consider monogamy isn't even what monogamy is. If you look back in the olden days, there'd be a girl and a boy, barely not even teenagers anymore. And then just supposed to be with each other for the rest of their lives. And obviously I've had, you know, I had a boyfriend when I was that age and then I've had, then I had a few more and then I've had many, many girlfriends since then. And so what I'm doing and considering quote unquote monogamy isn't even necessarily what monogamy would have been considered back then. So that yeah, was I an interesting twist. The term is serial monogamous. Serial right? monogamous. Yeah. Yeah. Which I do think I still am. And I, I definitely enjoy the the fact that that there's nobody else that comes between us. There's no one else that comes first. There's no one else. But I, I, maybe that's just based on some deep rooted insecurities that I haven't worked out. You know, so I I definitely look at polyamory as something that I a know that I don't want, but b don't know for sure that I don't want it because of my own garbage. You know, yeah, I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. I find it a fascinating topic. But what I also yeah. find fascinating is that you're choosing to get married. So there is, if you're able to say like this one, and you can probably have others that you're with forever then, right? So you'll be with the ideas that you want to marry Mindy, who is hysterical. I mean, I don't, who wouldn't? She's amazing. Um, you guys are hysterical together. Um, so how do you that, but then could there then could be someone else that you'd never break up with and then a third or how, or yeah. do you only do two at a time or are there rules that like, are like, yeah, there... so no, we don't necessarily have rules about around how many, I think, uh, time is probably the biggest constraint, but, um, for me, the most relationships I was ever with in was two and that was a lot two plus a job plus friends. That's a lot. But then there are people that I hear, um, have 
different types of relationships where they just hang out with someone um, every two, three weeks um, or every two, three months or it's long distance. So it's not necessarily as big of a time commitment. I was in two relationships that were equally time consuming and demanding of my attention, but I loved it. It was, I had the best time. Um, so yeah, I'm marrying Mindy. I don't necessarily view relationships um, as hierarchical. A lot of people have a hierarchy in terms of the way that they set up their relationships, meaning someone like a wife would be your primary partner. Um, so the most important, if anything ever happens, that's, that's your priority and um, how you allocate your time. I have trouble with that approach because I don't think that people can be reduced to secondaries uh, or tertiaries or whatever. Um, so the way I look at it is, yes, Mindy is this person that in that relationship, her and I decided that we want to have a marriage and that we're going to share housing and that we're going to share our finances. But that doesn't mean that this other person or a third person is any less to me as a partner than that. We're just choosing different things. And it could also happen that we all end up living together for whatever reason um, or get apartments in the same building on the same floor. Um, or Mindy's and my relationship changes in some way. I don't know. But but I, I kind of look at it through more like functionally. Yes, this is a person I'm sharing my finances with, but you're the person I'm going to Australia with, you know, or whatever. I, I don't necessarily think that one person can ever be more important than another person if you're in a deeply committed, loving partnership. It's just and different. when you say committed, what is that? That just what does it mean then? I don't mean that in an obnoxious way. I really want to know, like, what's the definition then? Yeah. So to me, the definition of committed is, is you know, I want to be with you as a, as a life partner. I want to build something with you. Right. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. This fight doesn't mean that I walk out the door and don't want to see you tomorrow. I'm sticking 100%. around to make it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely committed to making it work if that's the relationship I'm in. So committed to the love. Yeah. Committed to the connection. Yeah. And to figuring it out. That's great. Yeah. It's really, really like hard that. too. Oh yeah. As imagine. You know. Yeah. I don't know that. I don't know that I know, yeah. but well, I can imagine. Relationships are hard. No, relationships are two, really hard work. Yeah. Uh, when we were becoming friends, you were going through a breakup. Do you have breakup advice or separating oh, advice? Oh God. When, when we broke up, I was so mad about this person. Madly in love. Crazy. Um, but it wasn't a healthy relationship. It was actually really toxic. And... Towards the end of it, we broke up. She broke up with me a couple of times. And then I knew I, I should have gotten out of it, but I didn't want to because it's like, ah, can it just last a little? I know we're going to break up eventually, but ah, just a little longer because I me, really like more. you. Give me a little, a little more. more. Uh, bad. Um, anyways, but I knew that when we break up, that's going to be it, even though I don't want it to be it. And so I actually approached that breakup in a very scientific way. <laughs> I uh, researched how to get over someone. What did you learn? I'm yeah. glad I asked Oh my question. gosh. I learned so much. There is a way to get over people. Um, and I came across this TED talk that's phenomenal that talks about how to break up. Do you remember who it was for the recommendation? I can email it to you separately. Right, Maybe you can, can put it in I'll show I'll put it notes. in the show notes. Yeah. But um, it's a TED talk. Yeah. So phenomenal TED talk. And where he says, one of the biggest advice that I got out of it was as, as, as humans, we're just biologically um, wired to remember good things and forget the bad things. So you start missing like, oh, I missed the way they kissed me. Oh, I missed this. I missed that. All these good times. You forget, literally forget all the bad times. So he was like, he's a therapist. So he says, I tell my patients, make a list of all the bad stuff. Of put it in torture. your phone. Yeah. Put it in your phone. All the bad Revisit stuff. Revisit the torture. I think. Revisit that, oh, the torture. Like, like the moments, the moments you start being like, oh my God, I miss them so much. No. Look at the list. Look at the shit and be like, oh no, I don't miss all of that. And that's what I did. And that, that was the most helpful uh, thing that I did together with some other stuff, such as, examining myself. I think a lot of it was what, why did this go on for so long and what was I getting out of that relationship on top of love um, and figuring out all of that and then uh, letting go. Yeah, because even when we know someone's toxic and then we stay, 
that is a really good question. What is it that makes us accept toxicity? What are we getting in exchange for that toxicity? Yeah. And I would argue that you definitely are getting something. So you got to figure out what that is so that you can address it. And then how do you address it? So I knew even in the relationship, I knew that one of the reasons why, in addition to love, that I was sticking around was because I didn't want to deal with myself. There were certain things that I knew I needed to address um, with myself and take time to focus on. And I really didn't want to do that. I just so didn't want to do that. And so having a girlfriend was a great excuse. Right. I have to focus, focus on, on her. I can't focus on myself. Yeah. yeah. And that was a conscious choice at some point. I realized that um, in the relationship. And so when I got out of it, um, just going back to that and being like, all right, you got to get your shit together. Yeah. What was you know? I avoiding? And then how do yeah. I start getting to work on those things? Yeah. I think breakup advice is so interesting and great. Yeah. And then I get a lot of emails from women that are maybe getting back out into the dating life after having been in long term relationships. Any commentary on the on the current dating scene in the world? I mean, I know it's we're in New York City, so it's kind of not not all my listeners are in New York City, but any thoughts in general? On- Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> we missed you. Aww. <laughs> Um, I, I think one, one advice in general is when you start dating your partner, please don't stop hanging out, um, with your friends, with your friends. Yeah. With the community, continue meeting people. It will just, it'll keep your relationship more alive too, because you'll have freshness to it that you're bringing to the table by not exclusively only hanging out with your partner. I think that that can happen a lot. And it's of service to the community to keep showing up for the community, because if people stop showing up, then events are less exciting and yeah. Uh, yeah 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 so keep coming out if you're back um there are a lot of like I, there are a lot of people like you out there i think that's that's interesting to know i meet people out of long-term relationships all the time um and they're all great people and they just need to meet each other um which but, is such great news even for people who've been single forever and start saying yeah. all the good ones are taken like no there's someone who no, just, literally not. every 15 seconds two hot lesbians break up I yeah. just made up that statistic, but, yeah. <laughs> but now don't, dis- don't despair. Just come out, um, you know, figure your stuff out, figure out what went wrong, get over it. And then when you're ready, come hang out, come hang out. We talked also before the podcast a little bit about the scarcity model. And I think that that's a wrong approach. Um, you should definitely be positive. People are out there, but you have to put effort They're They're not going to fall into your lap. Um, you have to put effort. You have to go out and meet all these all these amazing women um, in real life. And to circle back to what you were originally saying, one of the ways that you did that was not necessarily even going to queer events, just going focusing on who you are as a person, the music that you like, for example, and showing up at meetups that had to do with things that you were genuinely interested in. I think another mistake I see lesbians make is they get single and they think, now I just have to go to every lesbian event. But that might be ignoring all the people that they love the most, all the sorts of activities they love the most. It's, it, and then if you're not genuinely having a blast at those lesbian events, you might just be bringing a bad attitude anyway. Yeah. And also think outside of the box. Like you don't have to, and especially if you don't have those, go to a lesbian bar to meet lesbians. Um, you can go, like we were saying, go to see Tegan and Sarah concert or join a feminist book club or, you know, wherever you think there's a higher chance of queer people being present, do that. Um, and you'll definitely meet some great people. And you know, one, one thing that I do want to stress that I find is women are really passive about going out and meeting people. It would happen to me that I invite all my friends to my party or anything else that I organize. And they keep just pulling my sleeve like, Antonia, Antonia, introduce me to queer people, introduce me to some single people. And, I'm, I'm, and I tell them, I just threw a party for 300 single people. Where were you? You didn't even come. Like, come on. Do you want me to mail deliver, like Grubhub style, a lesbian to your lap? No. Right. We don't do takeout lesbians. Yeah, yeah, not yet. Well, that's an interesting app. Maybe after Queer Cut, we can think of (laughs) that. Maybe. Another thing is when they come, they don't talk to each other. And we... um, specifically her app because it's an app and the whole point of events was to bring people out in real life and make them interact so all of our events had a lot of interactive components to them that would give you an excuse to talk to someone 
such as we did, we would have different vendors um, with activities, like we did like a rope bondage thing, or we did uh, tie a bow tie on a stranger, or like all these different things, so many different things. And after every event, we would do like feedback, and every every feedback form was like, uh, you have to put more effort into introducing us to each other. Like you're not doing enough to make sure we're talking to each other. You know, there's only so much that we could do. Yeah, that we you can, can bring do. the like, horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So yeah. why do you think they don't talk to each other? What's behind that? People are shy. People are afraid of rejection. Um, also, we've mostly been talking about nightlife. And nightlife is only one of the formats of socializing. And not everyone is comfortable in that setting. Not everyone wants to go to a dance party. And that's okay. And it's okay if you feel uncomfortable. Just to try not to let that stop you. Um, but additionally, seeking out other event formats such as queer dinner parties, queer soup nights, or uh, dating apps if one-on-one -on -one is more your thing, or even starting your own thing where you invite a few of your queer friends and have them invite their friends. Those types of settings might be a little bit more comfortable for people who are generally shy to approach others and have that meaningful conversation. And if you're living in a place where there aren't, you know, just organized queer dinner parties in New York City, we're lucky enough to have those things. But in some more remote areas, if you do take the initiative to start inviting women together, realizing the benefit that you'd be doing for the community, how how amazing it would be for the other women that you provide that for, too. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I do want to acknowledge that meeting people and approaching people really is hard. It, it And it's hard for me too, sometimes, um, depending on what kind of a mood I am or, uh, you know, what happened to me that day. But uh, remember that we're all human, you know, people, the person standing next to you might be struggling as well. So be compassionate and be kind to yourself, to others, be forgiving. Uh, when you push yourself outside your comfort zone and maybe you're not happy with how things went, uh, be forgiving. It's important. It's important to keep pushing yourself. That's beautiful. Is there any other advice you have for women? When it comes to dating, we talked a lot about looks. And looks are important to some extent. But to me, you know, someone's personality and then later in, in relationship, their values particularly is what really matters. So I think I told you before we started recording to the podcast that I listened to one of your earlier episodes where the guest talked about the importance of understanding who it is you're looking to date. Mm. And when I was reflecting on that, because I was thinking, oh, I'm not really currently looking to date. I want to work on myself. And then I listened to your episode and then I was thinking, who am I looking to date? And I started coming up with all these ideas of what my perfect person is or who they are. And it was, you know, they're they're passionate about something in their life and they're driven and they um, are successful in whatever way they imagine that success to take shape and they're kind and all these other things. And then I realized, oh, I want to be that person. <laughs> so let me first become that person and then go out and find someone I want to date rather than me trying to find someone to date while I'm projecting what I should be actually focusing on when it comes to myself. I definitely agree that we have to become, because so often what we're looking for in another person is maybe just trying to make up for what we lack in some ways. I've, I've been guilty of that in my life and I definitely am focused on in every part of my life trying to make myself better so that I'm not expecting my partner to be those things. But what are some steps you're taking and what are some steps that you recommend others take towards towards self-improvement in this way? What are you doing and what are some thoughts on it? Yeah, so I, I, I spent a lot of time really kind of sitting with myself. First, I started meditating, but then rather than, than meditating, um, I actually started sitting and picking an issue that I think I have or a problem that I'm facing or something that I want to be better at. And then just letting that flow through me, that energy of maybe disappointment with myself or whatever it is, anger, fear of failure, um, and just feeling it. And then it's incredible how, how we're able to process things and kind of come out on the other side, just feeling lighter or maybe feeling a little bit more clear on how to go about reaching our goals. So you 
So you were focusing on what it is that you think is lacking. And instead of doing the mental process, you really, you sat in and let your body experience the body feeling of that lack. And then through that, insights came to you. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. I've never done that before because I am very much driven by my thoughts and my mind. Um, So it was a different type of connecting with myself and trying to understand on a different level in a different way, kind of tuning into one of our other centers of intelligence. Yeah, our body has wisdom. I'm so mental that I'm not always the best at tapping into answers that way, but it's legit. Yeah, yeah. And so as I'm thinking what we kind of covered through the podcast and, you know, the three second rule and this and that and be bring positive energy, but also, you know, be the person that you want to be rather than trying to find that person in another is maybe one of one of the things that we can look into as well as we're looking to approach dating and go out and meet people. I think that's really important. Is there anything in particular now that you're going to go out and try and change that you'd be wanting, willing to discuss for inspiration or? <laughs> um, well, starting a company, um, starting a company is one, one big thing that I've always wanted to do. And, you know, maybe I don't, maybe a combination of didn't have the right idea that I was passionate enough about, but also courage. And so trying to overcome certain fears that come with something like starting your own company and, and yeah, just going through that step-by-step reading about it, talking to other people about it. Um, But that's, that's one of the areas of my life that I'm currently focusing on. Yeah. Entrepreneurship is an amazing privilege for those who get to go through it. So that's awesome. And I can understand why if you were sitting on the outside wanting to do it, why, why that would be huge. Right. And I can relate to that because even though I've always been an entrepreneur, I had my own law firm since I had my law license when I was uh, 26. So it's been, you know, a very long time. But when I was practicing law, I really also felt like I was on the outside of what I really wanted to be doing because when, when I still practice law, but when that was my only, that was when that was my only job, I felt very incomplete. Like there was a whole part of me that I wasn't getting into. And so having a project that you could be excited about that you can give your heart to, it really is awesome. So I'm psyched for you about that. Yeah. Queer cut. Queer cut. Is there anything else you think you want to say? We we talked about what does it mean to be, you asked me, what does it mean to, to me to be committed to partners? One of the things that come to mind very clearly, and I can't believe I didn't mention it, is committed to their happiness and working really hard on making sure that I'm doing my best to make my partners happier and doing the best I can to focus on that and make sure that they're happy in our relationship. Yeah. Um, so where can people find you who want to learn more? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, um, personal handle A-P-R-E-D-O-V-A-N, or you can find us at QueerCut, uh, QueerCut.com and all associate media channels. Um, hang out, say hello. We'd love to hear from you. Great. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was so much fun talking to you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe, share it with a friend, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want lesbian dating advice from me more often, follow me on Instagram at jordana.michelle. Also, don't forget that womenwantingwomen.com is packed with free resources that can help you build your confidence and have more success with dating. While you're there, you can book a one-on-one coaching session with me to get my personal support in finding the love you long for. Until next time, keep remembering that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. And I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women.